All right, my friends. Next on our agenda, some more uh, Gospel of Ramakrishna based on M's English text abridged. I'm going to do some excerpts from here. Um, okay, so with a renewed sense of importance on this topic, with the growing um, topic of transhumanism, I'm just feeling very, very motivated to put more of this out into the public. So here we're going to start with relation between God personal and impersonal. As in the ocean, intense cold will freeze a portion of the water into ice, which may float in various forms on the water. Similarly, intense devotion, or bhakti, they call it in yoga, may condense a portion of divinity and make it appear in different forms. The personal god with form exists for the sake of his bhaktas dualistic devotees. When the sun of wisdom rises, the block of ice melts and becomes water once more. Above, below, and on every side, the infinite being pervades. Therefore, there is a prayer in the scriptures. O Lord, thou art personal with form. Thou art also impersonal and formless. Thou hast manifested thyself in a human form and hast lived in our midst, but in the Vedas thou art described as beyond speech and mind, unspeakable, imperceptible, and unthinkable. But it can be said that for a certain class of bhaktas, he is eternally personal and always with form. There are places where the ice never melts. It becomes crystallized. Evening at the temple. Night had fallen. Oh, I'm going to skip that part. This is like a little story. So we're going to move to the next section. Um, It's from chapter two. God dwells in all. The Bhagavan laughed and said, no, my friend. Do not go so far as that. You should love everyone. No one is a stranger. God dwells in all beings. Without him, nothing can exist. When Prahlada realized him, the Lord asked him to crave a boon. Prahlada replied, When I have seen thee, what other boon do I need? The Lord asked him again. He then prayed. If thou wishest to grant me a boon, do thou forgive those who have persecuted me? Prahlada meant that by persecuting him, they had persecuted the Lord dwelling within him. Know that God resides in all things, animate and inanimate. Hence, everything is an object of worship, be it men, beasts, or birds, plants, or minerals. In our relation with men, all that we can do is to take heed to ourselves that we mix with good people and avoid bad company. It is true, however, that God resides in bad people also. Yes, even in a tiger, 
but surely it does not follow that we should embrace a tiger. It may be asked, why should we run away from a tiger when God is dwelling in that form? To this, the answer is that God abiding in our hearts directs us to run away from the tiger. Why should we not obey his will? So when they're using the word good and bad, um, he is, in yoga, we say wicked rather than bad. Um, And in yoga, um, the Pentanjali, the sutras, yoga sutras of Pentanjali, he describes how we should um, be indifferent towards the wicked. Um, Just wanted to throw that in here to make sure, you know, we try to avoid using good and bad because that makes judgment upon another. Um, But they're talking bad meaning wicked. Some people are wicked. And my naive, idealistic, altruistic way of thinking for most of my life, I did not believe that there were bad people, right? It just seemed wrong to me because I have always had a deep knowing, even before I realized about Atman, the God within all of us. um, I had this deep knowing that it was there. And so I always thought even people like serial killers and stuff, we should at some level have compassion for these people because I don't feel that people with those tendencies or that do those things, it's not like they wake up one day and they're like, I want to grow up to be a serial killer, you know? (laughs) So I was always, I still feel compassionate towards these individuals at a certain level. But um, what the general rule in yoga and with what Ramakrishna is saying is to keep a distance from these people. You can be compassionate for their situation and whatever, you know, it it goes on through their mind and their tendencies that creates these actions that they carry out or their, their weaknesses that they give into or their inner devil, their inner Satan, whatever, whatever, however you want to describe it. But we do advise in the spiritual world to keep a, a distance from these people because, um, they're dangerous to you and at your your position at keeping your temple pure and keeping your inner God safe. Um, that is your job. And so keeping a distance is always um, something that they talk about in the yoga books and um, this book also. So... The next section, Parable of the Disciple and the Mad Elephant. In a certain forest, there lived a sage who had a number of disciples. He taught his disciples the truth. God dwells in all things. Knowing this, you should bend your knee before every object. One day, a disciple went out into the forest for wood. On his way, he saw a man riding a mad elephant and shouting, Get out of the way! Get out of the way! This is a mad elephant. 
the disciple, instead of running away, remembered his master's teaching and began to reason. God is in the elephant as well as in me. God cannot be hurt by God, so why should I run away? Thus thinking, he stood where he was and saluted the elephant as he came nearer. The driver kept on shouting, get out of the way, but the disciple would not move until he was snatched up by the mad elephant and dashed to one side. The poor boy, bruised and bleeding, lay on the ground unconscious. The sage, hearing of the accident, came with his other disciples to carry him home. When after some time the unfortunate pupil recovered consciousness, he described what had happened. The sage replied, My boy, it is true that God is manifest in everything. But if he is in the elephant, is he not equally manifest in the driver? Tell me why you did not pay heed to the warning of the driver. God is in everything. The Bhagavan continued, In the sacred scriptures it is written, God dwells in water, but some water can be used for divine service or for drinking purposes, some for bathing or washing, while dirty water cannot be touched even. In the same manner, although God resides in all human beings, still there are good men and bad men. There are lovers of God and those who do not love God. We should recognize divinity in all, but we should not mix with bad people or with those who do not love God. Our relation with them must not be very close. It is wise to avoid the company of such people. Naren Narendra, Narendra, oh, who is also, by the way, I don't think that I read that part, but Narendra is actually Swami Vivekananda um, as a young man. So um, that's his real name. He was 19 years old when he started studying um, under Ramakrishna. Just a little fun fact. So he says, what attitude should we hold when wicked people come to disturb our peace or do actually offend us? This is a good point. Okay, the next section is the answer. Resistance of evil. Bhagavan. A person living in society should have a little tamas, the spirit of resisting evil, for purposes of self-protection. But this is necessary only for outward show, its object being to prevent the wicked from doing harm to you. At the same time, you should not do actual injury to another on the ground that he has done injury to you. Okay, so I would like to give a little personal information on this. This was really challenging for me to really put into practice. So once I got to the point where I realized Atman and that God was in everything and with everyone, it was really challenging for me to cut people out of my life that were toxic because I was always hopeful that I could help them find their inner God and try to help them along the way. And in the process, I was harmed um, mentally, emotionally, and physically by some of these people. Um, 
So this is a really key aspect. I like to, when I'm on social media, sometimes I use the term, the queen of swords is out, right? Michelle, the queen of swords is here to decapitate my enemy, right? Not really decapitate them, but using words set boundaries that can sometimes seem pretty harsh. Like I've used the terms on my social media, Facebook mostly. I'm like, oh, if sometimes I seem like a B-I-T-C-H, um, it's because it's when I'm using my Queen of Swords energy. The Queen of Swords energy is something I got, I tokened from tarot cards. Since I have studied um, all different religions, I've also studied all different spiritual things, including the tarot. And I find the tarot to be really useful in describing energy. So with the tarot deck, there's four queens. You have the queen of pentacles, which demands respect. So it's like the queen of swords or the queen of pentacles is kind of similar. The queen of pentacles really demands respect. And the queen of swords is basically the swordsman, the one who is really willing to battle if needed to protect herself. Um, and then you have the two other queens, which don't really fit here in, but so there are many different aspects of self and different energies, and you can describe them using whatever terminology works for you that resonates with you. I really find that that tarot terminology, it kind of fits. There's also the empress, the high priestess, you know, so you can utilize these different energies and use them when you need to, and then you reel them back in. You don't need to stay in the queen of pentacles energy because that would be seemingly egotistical if you're in queen of pentacles energy all the time. If you're in the queen of swords energy all the time, you're very argumentative. So these energies are there for us to utilize when we need them, but it's not for us to get lost in because that's not center. Being at center means letting go of all of that and just being in awareness or living as awareness, taking it even a step further, just being there, here now. You don't need to utilize or pull different energies, but there are times in life when you do. And we don't live in a utopian society. We don't live in an idealistic world. And there are people out there that are wicked. Um, so sometimes we have to draw upon these different energies and use them as needed to protect ourselves and to set boundaries. So the next part is a parable. Parable of the snake and the holy man. Oh, and FYI, all those cards that are queens, there's also the masculine form, the kings. So for the male listeners, the men out there that are listening, I don't want to leave you out thinking that I'm only talking to women here. Um, every queen card in the deck of tarot also has a corresponding king card. So you can change up the gender. Um there was a large venomous snake in a field. No one dared to go that way. One day, a holy man 
passed by that road, and the serpent ran after the sage to bite him. But when the snake approached the holy man, he lost all his ferocity and was overpowered by the gentleness of the yogi. Seeing him, the sage said, Wow, my friend, think you to bite me? The snake was abashed. Okay, so vocabulary, I was just telling someone on Facebook, vocabulary has never been my strongest suit. I can understand complex ideas. I can understand quantum physics and all these things. Um, However, I think it might be high-functioning autism, my neurodivergency. I'm not sure where um, the vocabulary deficit comes in, but I always understand complex topics and then use regular words to describe. Um, and sometimes people have thought that I'm kind of dumb in the past because I don't use big fancy words, but I just feel like sometimes in academia, like in my master's program and when I worked in higher education in academia, I felt like oftentimes people use these big words to inflate their egos almost. I don't know. I've never been into learning vocabulary, so Sometimes when I'm reading these things, if I mispronounce the words, it's okay. You can laugh at me. I laugh at myself. (laughs) Um, I do know what the words mean. I just don't know how to pronounce them out loud. Um, Okay, so the snake was abashed and made no reply. At this, the sage continued, Hearken, friend, do not injure anyone in future. The snake bowed and nodded a Ascent. The sage went his way, and the snake entered his hole, and thenceforward began to live a life of innocence, without attempting to harm anyone. In a few days, all the neighborhood concluded that the snake had lost his venom and was no longer dangerous. So everyone began to tease him. Aww. They pelted him with stones or dragged him mercilessly by the tail, and there was no end to his troubles. Fortunately, the sage again passed that way, and seeing the bruised and battered condition of the snake, was very much moved and inquired into the cause. Holy sir, the snake replied, this is because I do not injure anyone after your advice. But alas, they are so merciless. The sage smilingly said, My friend, I simply advise you not to bite anyone, but I did not tell you not to frighten others. Although you should not bite any living creatures, still you should keep people at distance by hissing at them. And Sri Ramakrishna added, There is no harm in hissing at wicked men and at your enemies, showing that you can protect yourself and know how to resist evil. Only you must be careful not to pour your venom into the blood of your enemy. Resist not evil by causing evil in return. One of the devotees present said, But when a person is annoyed with me, Bhagavan, I feel unhappy. I feel that I have not been able to love everyone equally. Love for all. Ramakrishna, when you feel that way, you should have a talk with that person and try to make peace with him. 
If you fail after such attempts, then you need not give it further thought. Take refuge with the Lord. Think upon him. Do not let your mind be disturbed by another, any other thing. Devotee, Christ and Chaitanya have both taught us to love all mankind. A true devotee, always calm. Ramakrishna, you should love everyone because God dwells in all beings, but to wicked people you should bow down at a distance. Is it true that people blame you because you mix with those who believe in a personal God with form? A true devotee of God should possess absolute calmness and never be disturbed by the opinions of others. Like a blacksmith's anvil, he will endure all blows and persecutions and yet remain firm in his faith and always the same. Wicked people may say many things about you and blame you, but if you long for God, you should endure with patience. Company of the Wicked One can think on God even dwelling in the midst of wicked people. The sages of ancient times who lived in forests could meditate on God although surrounded by tigers, bears, and other wild beasts. The nature of the wicked is like that of a tiger or bear. They attack the innocent and injure them. You should be especially cautious in coming in contact with the following. First, the wealthy. A person who possesses wealth and many attendants can easily do harm to another if he so desires. That's so true. Somebody in my life has tried to bury me and my business, and they have the money to do it. So this really hit home when I read this the first time. Um, You should be very guarded in speaking with him. Sometimes it may even be necessary to agree with him in his opinion. Second, a dog. When a dog barks at you, you must not run, but talk to him and quiet him. Third, a bull. When a bull chases you, you should always pacify him by talking to him. Fourth, a drunkard. (sighs) Yeah, if you make him angry... He will call you names and swear at you. You should address him as a dear relative. Then he will be happy and obliging. When wicked people come to see me, I am very careful. The character of some of them is like that of a snake. Ain't that the truth, you guys? Oh, man. They may bite you unawares. It may take a long time and much discrimination to recover from the effects of that bite. Or you may get so angry at them that you will wish to take revenge. It is necessary, however, to keep occasionally the company of holy men. Through such association, right discrimination will come. So I'm losing my voice. I'm going to leave it at there because the next section talks about something kind of different. So I'm going to definitely read the next section in the next episode. I hope you guys are liking this. 
I hope it's useful. Um, when it comes to the wicked people, the snake, and getting bitten by it, um, or <clears throat> finding yourself, oh my gosh, hold on, <clears throat> finding yourself um, feeling like you want to take revenge. I'm not sure about you, but like I have been tempted because we all know ways of retaliating, but I always remind myself and others that there is the most strength comes with restraint. Just because you could retaliate and take revenge doesn't mean you should. And if you do not, that is where true spiritual power comes. When you're able to restrain yourself from retaliating against somebody who has done you wrong, um, great power will come to you from that restraint. So just remember that. It, it's not like you're, you're taking it for nothing. I mean, you are getting... You are gaining so much more by restraining than you would by retaliating. So um, that is it for this episode. Until next time, sending you so much love.